Three, two, one, room tone. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Tommy's Emporium. Sadly, I said three, two, one, room tone. Yes. I did not say three, two, one, start of the show. Oh, geez. So what are we doing? We're trying to do room tone. Oh. Three, two. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I didn't mean to fuck up. Sorry. This is the Dave and Shecky Show. We got this groovy podcast for ya. Reviewing crazy tunes or quoting Twain and Sting and Doom. We'll bring ideas to share like bonus points for extra flair. Cause it's the freaking Dave and Shecky Show. Show. We're bringing you this groovy review. We might preview movies, bake some bread, or drink some smoothies. So come on, have way too much caffeine. You roll up some rivers, I'll reference some Raffi. This is the Dave and Shecky Show. Hello. Happy New Year. It's the start of a new year. Mm-hmm. And with that, we'll be having a new format. There'll be none more of this nonsensical racism. And abrupt humor. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about physics oh. and actuality. And what? Actuality. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Our first guest will be that guy who likes ice cream. Uh, oh. Jeff Goldblum? No, the black guy who likes ice cream. Is that Neil deGrasse Tyson? Well, he might like ice cream. Who doesn't? I don't know who. I don't I know. I think I'm talking about uh-huh. a guy I can't even remember his name. He's so good. I see. Howard. Terrence Howard. That's oh, right. Oh, God. He'll be talking about scientists. Guest. Yes, he's a scientist now in the new year. I see. He's giving up acting and he's becoming a scientist. Excellent. He wants to talk to you about the new geometry. Oh, all right. Well, I look forward to that. Uh, and and uh, our show will concentrate on the new geometry as well. All right. Well, uh, maybe you're part of the show, Will. I uh, just did. Okay. Now, back to the show. Welcome, 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 everyone, to episode number 61. 61, without an asterisk, uh, of the Middle Age Cool Kids Super Terrific Podcast featuring your pals... Bobby Darren. Mm. And Darren Bobby. I'll be Bobby Darren. Darren Bobby's a plumber. From it, it is? Weehawken. He is? Yeah. So give him a call if you need to be plumbed. Do you really? Are you making that up? Well, now I am. I see. Uh, <clears throat> all right. What made you think of Bobby Darren? I don't know. He's like hip and kind of like 60s-ish. He's a very groovy guy. Kind of like in the 60s, he kind of like went from being like... Uh, you know, he went through his Dylan stage. He was he went from splish splash to a Dylan esque stage of his life. Yes, now that is one of the funniest things, really, to think of Bobby Darren thinking that he could be considered like Bob Dylan. He was like a he became folk Bob Darren. They're completely opposites. Yet, it Yet is what it, it is. 
I love Bobby Darren. And a big part of the film we're going to discuss today is the music of it. Oh, is that really? The what music we're going was to a big part of it. All right. As uh, we'll get into. All right. Well, today's episode is all about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Marvin. Put it there. That's your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. And it has been. On August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. Hey! You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it. According to Wikipedia, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a 2019 comedy drama film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Set in 1969 Los Angeles, the film follows an actor and his stunt double as they navigate the changing film industry and features multiple storylines in a modern fairy tale tribute to the final moments of Hollywood's golden age. That's pretty apt. I'd say that is probably the, the final moment of Hollywood's classic golden age. Uh, the, the early 70s, late 60s, for sure. The very fact that uh, Spawn Ranch went from being a place where movies were shot to a place where people were shot, you know, that's, that's interesting. I feel like, I, I guess it, the, the biggest tragedy of that, of that time is definitely the uh the charlie manson uh well it's debacle. the most notorious one for sure well that's what i'm saying what else happened at that was i don't i mean have to think about we that. have a an all-american girl pretty much uh a lot know. of stuff happened though back in the uh in in california more atrocious than that i think what perhaps uh the uh, the guy who was just uh, captured because of his DNA samples. Police say this man, 72-year-old Joseph James D'Angelo, is the elusive Golden State Killer. The former police officer allegedly responsible for at least 12 murders, upwards of 50 rapes, and more than 100 burglaries in California from 1976 to 1986. He uh, committed insane amount of murders over the span of, you know, 20 years or something, all up and down California. Oh, shit. And then also, uh, oh, was he the Night Stalker? No, he's another guy. And then uh, also, of course, the Zodiac. Uh, was another atrocious thing, you know. I mean, there's been a lot of bad things happen in California. That's true. This one, uh... But, of course, the Manson thing. And then, of course, you know, like, and Manson himself, like, he wasn't even present at the at the crime scene of the big kill. Right. So that in itself is insane. There's more, you know, technically violent people than Manson. But, yes, this one is notoriously took the heart of America. It kind of, kind of, uh made the California dream a, a, a nightmare, f more of a dream. So... Oh, oh, oh let me just say this. Uh -huh. when, uh, when these Manson uh, things started happening, alarm companies all over uh, that part of L.A. 
increased their business 100%. Everyone started putting alarms on their houses where they didn't have it before that. And those Manson crimes are big respo- uh, partly responsible for that. I mean, I can't, I can't blame anybody. Similarly, uh, glass shower doors became all the craze after Psycho came out in the shower scene. Well, there you go. So take that and put that in your ass and smoke it. Excellent, uh, excellent commentary. Thank you, David. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, See, I told you we're going to be better now. We're not more of that abrupt humor. Uh-huh. You didn't mention that in today's Wait, open. Wait, uh, who was that? Grady's sneaking in. Uh-huh. Grady! Anywho, uh, I will just say, uh, right off the bat, I would give this movie a 10. Uh, another thing I will say is that I do not agree with Wikipedia or... Uh, Rotten Tomatoes or anyone else that calls this a comedy drama for me personally and I could be wrong for me this was it felt more like a horror film or a thriller um, that had some comedy moments in it well most horror films these days do have comedic elements to it I'd say probably since the 80s that's the case yeah even I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street has comedic moments it's hysterical yes so this is the thing for me is that as somebody who you know we're kind of at the we're a little young for when it happened but it's something that was in our lives there were so many made for tv movies there were albums there were books uh the whole helter skelter thing our we were little kids uh growing up in the era right after it and i just feel like i know not everything but it's just it's just something that we kind of grew up with do you understand what i'm saying yeah yeah it's it's so it's i i know how it ends so for me this movie my gut was in knots the whole fucking time Every time they showed Margot Robbie, who I thought was adorable and great as uh, Sharon Tate, every time they showed her, I, I, I started getting sicker and sicker knowing how this ends. It, it, was, it, was, uh, it was torture. <laughs> it, was, it was so torturous, in fact, that when the movie does end, I just burst out crying out of relief of it finally ending yet still i would give this movie a 10 that's probably why you did give it a 10 (laughs) what do you mean it moved you it's even now i am tearing up because it was so much come on it doesn't turn out how you expected in the movie well spoiler alert but i didn't well we're we're a little late to the boat reviewing this one i mean it's not like this just came out that's that's true but honestly i feel like I, I, Look, if you're not a Quentin Tarantino fan, you may have not seen it, and in which case you should. If you are a Quentin Tarantino fan, you probably think we're a bunch of freaks. That's and and you're probably right. Hey, take it easy. So let's let's just. He's uh, a I'm giving, I'm giving it a ten. What are you giving it before we go on? I'd have to give it a. Uh, I'd have to give it a nine point five. Okay, good. All right, so. This, movie, this was definitely better than Gremlins and a hell of a lot better than E.T. This, uh, this movie stars uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt uh, and Margot Robbie. Hey, I like to call him Lenny DiCap. 
Le- you do. So from now, from, from here on out, I'm going to refer to him as Lenny DeCap. I might even just say DeCap. You have always called him that. Well, I'm just saying. Uh, let's be let's be a working man's version of him and call him LDK. LDK, uh, even though Caprio is a C. Oh, I'm just going with a cap, you know, because we're like a Kango cap. Like a what? Like a Kango. Kango. Oh, K A N G O L. I see. Kango. Anyway, all right. LDK plays Rick Dalton, a an actor, you know, uh, almost like a character actor. Oh no, I was thinking he was kind of some sort of mishmash, but definitely a lot of elements of Chuck Connors. Is that his name? Chuck Connors. Okay. The Rifleman. That's right. like the bounty. The bounty. What was it called? The Bounty Hunter. What was the show they had on there? Bounty. Bounty Law. Oh yeah, that was definitely like the Rifleman. Okay, I, I, I mean, I. It was a, it was like a mishmash of all that shit, but some, that was a lot. Some Clint that Eastwood, was in some yeah. I mean, Clint Eastwood did a lot of uh, spaghetti westerns, but even before then, he was doing. You know, you could see him in in different shows. Yeah, uh, okay. Showing up as a, a bad guy. Who you know moseys uh, into town? I really felt there was a lot of Chuck Connors. Okay, that's fine. Uh, he was a mishmash of a lot of those fifties, uh, early sixties uh, walk-on characters that you would find in The Rifleman or, or any of those kind of shows. Uh, and Brad Pitt plays his, you know, his best friend slash stunt double. Um, who turns into his, you know, for lack of a better term, assistant, really. He drives him st- places. He takes care of stuff at his house. You know, shit like that. So, Brad Pitt, I, honestly, they're both, they're both perfect. They're both perfect in this movie. Uh, I think we like Brad Pitt more because we like Brad Pitt's character so much more. Well, uh, let me tell you this. Yeah. Brad Pitt is a good actor. Yeah. And I think he's getting better as he ages. I think you don't see a lot of Brad Pitt movies. I don't think I've seen anything Brad Pitt's been in that he wasn't Well, let me really just see. Now, the last thing I saw was uh, uh, Tina and Louise. Is that Was that a movie? Tina Louise was Ginger. <laughs> Wait, what was uh, the movie Gilligan's called? Island. Uh, what was the movie where they fall they drive off the cliff? Right. Uh, Tina Louise or something? Yes, Tina and Louise no. uh, fall off a cliff. No, that's uh, Thelma and Louise. Exactly. Ginger. Ginger is not in that movie. Oh, well, he was. He was in that movie. He was a very young, and uh, he's been in, uh, he was in the vampire movie. He's been in a lot of things. He's very good. Always very good, but I think in this movie, but also, you know, there's you gotta give it to quentin tarantino because once again it's the director who really grabs these uh actors and points them in the direction of what what he wants this movie was somewhat flawless really that's why i gave it a 10 i can i i cannot find fault with it it is great storytelling it is so well acted uh and again i just burst into tears when it ended DiCaprio was very good too actually I mean, Dude, he, was, he was excellent he's, I think he's always excellent whether you like him or not he's a great actor you do know kidnapping is a hanging <laughs> so blowing the heads off little girls <laughs> they can only hang me once right so you come down here for a 
for a Boston social, or we gonna talk price? How much? I'd say $50,000 and buy me a whole lot of chicken mole in Mexico. It's a lot of money. Well, she's a lot of little girl. Or don't you agree? I agree. So what's next? Well, I'll send one of my boys out to your ranch to fill you in on all the details, but, uh... And one detail I'm gonna fill you in on right now is this. I don't want no Beaner Bronco Buster handing me that $50,000. I want the old man himself. Murdoch Lancer puts $50,000 in my lap or I'll eat this little pitcher down a well. You got that, Boston? Huh? Al Pacino tells him, you know, tries to convince him to go and do spaghetti westerns because he's being typecast as the bad guy all the time. And uh, he, you know, it's, you, you, you're always going to be seen like that uh, is basically his message to him. And um, Leo thinks on it, does some more shows, um, eventually does go and do the spaghetti westerns, takes Brad Pitt with him. But in between that, that's the main plot. But then there's also the subplot of the Spawn Ranch, the hippie girls, and then another subplot of the the next door neighbors of uh, Rick Dalton, who happened to be Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. I, I feel like did something happen in real life? Someone. I feel like this takes things from reality and mixes them around a little bit. I think there's a story of some musician guy I've read recently who went to Spawn Ranch and ended up getting into a fight with someone there. Uh, I feel like that's what the Brad Pitt thing is about when he goes to the ranch there. Like, they borrowed from that. And, like... Who was Roman Polanski's neighbor? Was it some character actor? Uh, is that based on reality or is that not? It takes reality and mixes it, you know, once upon a time, but it is part of it's real. Part of it's not, clearly. But some musician friend of Terry Melcher, the guy that Manson comes looking for because he wouldn't give him a record deal. That's why that shit happened. Right. Because Manson's out of his fucking mind. Uh, and couldn't take no for an answer, basically. Um, comes looking for Terry Melcher, but one of Terry Melcher's buddies, or was it Terry Melcher? Someone is a guitar player. <clears throat> he was, who am I thinking of? He went to Spawn Ranch and got into a fight with someone. And Did he get into a fight with Charlie? I can't remember. Uh, this is interesting to me, though, because I feel like it, that's based on that story almost. There's this story. A Spawn employee, ranch hand Donald Shorty Shea, who was a Hollywood stuntman actor and victim of Charles Manson, had known Manson in the past and had a physical confrontation with him. Under the direction of Manson, Susan Atkins lured Shea to a remote spot on the ranch where he was ambushed and killed Mm. by Bruce M. Davis and Steve Clem Grogan on August 26, 1969 because they believe he had reported them to the police. Interesting. His remains were not found until December of 1977. Jesus. 
after Grogan agreed to lead investigators to the spot where he'd been buried. The body was buried into the side of an embankment about 150 feet off the Santa Susana Pass Road, one mile west of Topanga Boulevard. L.A. County Sheriff's investigators received information to look in this area about six weeks ago. and have been digging along the hillside ever since. Sergeant Bill Gleason, who's been on this case for eight years, talked about the information that led the investigation to this particular site. Information we received in the past from various people who have since grown up uh, when they were with the Manson family, they were very young, they've grown older, and they decided that now was the time to let Mr. Shea be found. Now, do you feel that this is the man? Uh, he is not beheaded. He looks like he is all in one piece, which goes against what was said during the trial. Well, that was just a rumor going around. I think that was uh, told by some of the so-called Manson family people just to make people uh, pay more attention to what they were doing or just to embellish on the death of Mr. Shea. How do you feel after being on this case for eight years? Well, I'm quite pleased that we finally found him. It's been quite a search. <laughs> so that's possibly part of it, but it's another story, too. But there you go. So that's probably more like what it was based on, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Except except he gets away. Now, check this out. Yes? Someone, you know, squeaky from, mm -hmm. she lives in upstate New York. She's out of jail, free citizen. She, she is. Did she see this movie? I don't know. I wonder what she thinks of this movie. Uh, I, I guess I don't... Can you imagine she's your neighbor now? Somewhere, she, someone's neighbor is her in upstate New York. She was released on parole from Federal Medical Center Carswell on August 14th, 2009 and moved to Marcy, New York, where <laughs> she and her boyfriend, Robert Waldner pleaded guilty to manslaughter charge in 1988, live in a house decorated with skulls. Can you imagine? Yeah, that's a nice, great, great neighbors. The guy who murdered someone and her. Is she also the same one who is responsible for uh, the attempt on uh, Ford? Did she go on to try and kill Ford? Is that her? I believe she did. So, yeah, she's a real, she's a real charm. Marcy is, I believe, outside of Utica. I'll tell her to go in because it's cold out there. Uh, that's disturbing, actually. That's disturbing that... Can you imagine? She, she, so in, in this movie, Sharon Tate goes to see herself in the movie. Hi, she's squeaky from goes up to the local uh, theater. Hi, I'm in the movie. I'm so, uh, <laughs> they're like, you are? Yeah, I'm the psychopath in the movie. Can I get in for free? Well, sure. Would you like some refreshments? It says here that she is the she on the morning of September 5th, 1975, she went to Sacramento's Capitol Park ostensibly to plead with President Gerald Ford about the plight of the California Redwoods, dressed in a red robe and armed with a Colt M1911. Yeah. Why was she not Talk about in jail for the Manson stuff? I don't know. This is the stuff. This is what I'm, this is this is why California is a is a joke. What, that right there, the hippie movement, all innocent and great, turns into the Manson family chicks. These scumbag lowlife chicks yeah. who are just total assholes. And, and she's clearly one of them. There's a fine line between the, the hippies and the gypsies. That's why I stopped going to the Grateful Dead concerts in 1985. I was disillusioned. 
I saw it then. Those were just the hippies 15 years later being assholes. Yeah, I don't... Uh, and guess what? Now they're at the fish concerts. Yep. You're all assholes. Yep. Yeah, hippie not, scums. You're not gonna Go to get college. Get a degree. An argument from me. Um, Go there on the Washington steps in that weird suit and sell a book. You know I, what I'm talking about. I, a, that she lives so incredibly close to us is really... Uh, yeah, let's stop talking about it. She's a wonderful person. No, she's not. But I... I ugh. She's fucking... She'll die Disgusting. soon. She'll pass away eventually. She can't go on forever. She's 71. Yeah. 71. I think if you attempt to assassinate a president, regardless of your connections with Charles Manson, you need to be put away forever. Yeah, she should go to Squeaky Frum Island. They should have a place for her. I, f I feel like if you attempt to assassinate a president... You need to be uh, made an example of, so no one else even thinks about doing that. Who raised that person? What? What's with, I wonder what her parents did to her. She is the daughter of Helen and William Millar Fromm, an uh, aeronautical engineer. Yeah, a.k.a. psychopathic pedophile. She performed for a popular dance group called the Westchester Lariats. Oh, I love them. They were really hip and groovy. And she appeared on the Lawrence Welk Show. She was, the one, with the, the, she was the one with the knife. Yeah, I, well, I don't want to even talk any more about her. She was played by T Dakota Fanning. Uh, I'm not a huge fanning of Dakota Fanning. <laughs> Why not? I mean, she's... I don't know. She's no Margot Robbie, but... I don't know. Is it the name? Dakota Fanning. Is it, what, are, what are you, a product? Anyway, so... <clears throat> there is a, a lot of... <sighs> Sorry. There are a lot of... Uh, liberties taken this is a once upon a time so once upon a time right away you should think okay fairy tale uh i th i uh i like the way he approached it because uh, he didn't uh glorify the manson family he barely even showed charlie manson so the emphasis was off of them and when it what he did show of them wasn't good and eventually they got their just deserved their deserved just as they say yeah, because this was a fairy tale, and it had a fairy tale ending. But it would have just been trite, cliched to, to show the killing again. We, we know what happened. No, I even that. said uh, 20 minutes before this movie was ending, and I s still didn't know where this I had No one had spoiled this movie for me, or if you they had, I'd forgotten. That was such, such comedic relief at the end. I mean, it was so over the top. That's how, that, that was just, that was, uh, what's that movie? With uh, your friend with the uh, great graphic effects. Oh, jeez. The horror movie. My the hand comes walking at the guy. My Cut off hand. What's his name? What's the movie? Classic horror. Come on, you got it. You it's know a price? Brother. No. No, no, from the 80s. Oh, jeez. He, he wants, he's a very... Oh, oh, oh. Oh, Bruce Campbell. Exactly. Even though, was it Evil Dead? Yes. Okay. I, I'm. You say classic, and I think way further back. But ah, yes. Uh, anyway, this twenty minutes before the movie ended, <clears throat> and like I said, no one had spoiled the ending for me, and I hadn't even thought to think. Which is miraculous. That it once upon a time, because of those words, and that maybe it didn't end as it as it should have. Uh, and that there was a fairy tale ending. I had no idea about that. 
And I just looked at Dave and was like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to watch the end. I might have to punch out. Which means, you know, leave. Uh, and he was like, okay. And we even took a break before the ending. Like, I was, I, I was getting really worked up. And the ending was amazing. It was very good. I think the least good part of the movie was Al Pacino. He was fine, but, you know, once again, John Turturro would have done a better job. (laughs) So, there's that. I mean, I feel like... Couldn't you have seen John Turturro in that role more than him? It's Al Pacino, though. I mean, I think think as as weird as Quentin Tarantino may or may not be, uh, I think he's got a a reverence for Hollywood that... uh, would lean more towards Al Pacino than John DeToro. Did Tarantino make a cameo in this movie? A movie-o? I, if he did, I didn't see it. Well, I was so engrossed watching every... I, honestly, I, I... I believe they had Mama Cass in there for a second. Briefly at the... She at, didn't say anything. She just became apparently Mama Cass-esque. Right. She was... Uh, they had a uh, what was it like a she was Playboy the mansion? Woman. What? She was the overweight woman, but nowadays she'd just be thin. Yeah, she'd be thin and beautiful because uh, that's what everyone wants you to believe. Compare Mama Cass to Lizzo. I don't know makes, who Lizzo makes Mama is. Cass look like fucking uh, Kate Moss. I don't know Mama who, Moss. Is Lizzo a large person? Uh, well, parts of her are. I see. Uh, so the movie basically we're all jumping all over the place and I know that's probably not That's how we do it over here. Yeah, but it's it, Hey, take it easy. All right. He jumped all over the place. We're jumping all well, over the place. I, yeah, okay. Uh the the movie the main plot is definitely the life and times of Rick Dalton and his uh trusty sidekick uh Brad Pitt who plays uh Cliff Booth, the stuntman. Now it's almost, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm not sure why you haven't, but it's almost like uh, Forrest Gump where all these like things happen around them and it's, uh, it's like, very well, it's just, it's just, it's, I believe it's a perfect movie. I really do. I my favorite believe it's part a perfect movie. is where he beats the shit out of Bruce Lee. Yes. It's. That is ridiculous. Brad Pitt fighting with Bruce Lee, who was playing Cato at the time. Who uh, plays Bruce Lee in this movie? Let me see. Bruce Lee is played by Mike Moe. What's your name? Yeah, you. My name's Cliff. I'm Rick Dalton's stunt double. Stuntman? Yeah. You know you're kind of pretty for a stuntman. That's what they tell me. So, did I say something funny, stuntman? Yeah, you kind of did. What's so funny? Look, man, I don't want any trouble. I'm just here to do a job. But you're laughing at what I'm saying. But I'm not saying anything funny. So what do you think is so funny? What I think is... You're a little man with a big mouth and a big chip. And I think you should be embarrassed to suggest you be anything more than a stain on the seat of Cassius Clay's trunks. (laughs) Brother, you're the one with the big mouth. And I would really enjoy closing it, especially in front of all my friends. But my hands are registered as lethal weapons. That means we get into a fight, I accidentally kill you. 
I go to jail. Anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. And I think all that lethal weapon horse shit is just an excuse so you dancers never have to get in a real fight. I gotta tell you, the whole movie's top-notch. I'm telling you, I feel it's a perfect movie. I really do. I, I, I wouldn't change anything of it. Now, uh, I don't understand the... It gets a 7.8 on IMDb. Well, 7.8. we're living in a uh, you know, superhero culture. And uh, the Irishman gets an 8.1. Now, we gave the Irishman an 8.5, I think. Yeah, it was, it was, it was up there. But I, again, I give Once Not Upon a Time in though. Hollywood a 10. This, is, this was way more entertaining. The Irishman uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give the Irishman a 96%, and the audience gives it an 86%. Rotten Tomatoes... The critics give it an 85% for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and the crowd, the audience, gives it 70%. I, uh, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Uh, this movie is far and away a better movie than The Irishman, and I, I, I can't think of a, a movie that I would give a 10 in the, in the past, I don't know, 10 years. Very interesting. And I honestly, I am not a fan of Quentin Tarantino in general. I like some of his movies, not all of his movies. And uh, before this, I thought Kill Bill was probably his best. I like this more than that. Yeah. And I, I probably would give Kill Bill like a nine. This is... I think this is, you know, without these players, maybe it would be a nine. But because these actors are so great, he's just a really, he's, he's a great director. He's getting, he's getting these performances from these guys that are incredible. I mean, both of them. And I, I don't know, uh, I don't know much I've seen Leo in that I think he's, he, he's been this good. I mean, I don't necessarily see a lot of Leo movies. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street is very good. I did not see that. Very good. And uh, and and Brad Pitt, Jesus fucking Christ! There is I I can't think of a more likable guy in a movie in forever. Yeah, it kind of had like a Magnum PI kind of vibe. Right, but but definitely more more salty, more way raw and rough around the edges. Robert Redford PI. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, he's it's. This is, it's, it's hard because he really, even though the, the movie is more about uh, Leo's rise and fall and, you know, just him trying to get his shit together. Brad and Pitt he's excellent too. Dude, in a way though. dude, let me tell you something. Leo is excellent. He's excellent, but I think Brad Pitt kind of just steals the whole show. The, it's the character. The character that he plays, the character that was written... Uh, yeah. Is just great, and I, I, I would love to Look, see if, more if that same movies role was John with John Leguizamo. I don't think it would work as well. Oh, shut up! Why would you bring the, I'm that just saying, motherfucker? You have to have the charisma of Brad Pitt to pull it off. John Leguizamo is a fucking. He could have played Charlie Manson. He's a mood killer. Oh, Charlie Mancino. If someone ever did that, if they, I would never. First of all, I don't. 
I don't like to see movies like this uh, with with endings that I know are horrible. It it just builds up, builds up, builds up. And like I said, I I literally burst out sobbing at the end of this. I was so happy and so relieved. Even though I knew it wasn't the truth, it was just better. I just wish it had been the truth. Not happening. But you know, if it had been the truth, Polanski probably would have never raped that girl. Oh, God, what a fucking And then dick. we'd all love him. And then what would have happened? He wouldn't have moved to France and we would have had more movies here. Who knows what would have happened? I'll tell you this much. He wouldn't have been what he was. I bet everything changed after that. Do you hate certain members of the, the press for the way the, uh, you were treated after your wife's murder? Well, yes, to be honest, I do. But I wouldn't call it a hatred now. You see, some, it somehow evolved to uh, just indifference, and I simply don't read it and try to avoid it. Yeah. But yeah. in general, I despise the press tremendously for its inaccuracy, for its ir irresponsibility, and mm -hmm. uh, for its uh, uh, often even deliberate cruelty and all this, it's for lucrative purposes. Did it seem at the time you might never work again? Did it just seem that you could never go into public again? Yeah, there was a, it lasted for a very long time. Mm -hmm. It lasted for a good eight months, I would think. And then when I started working again, I didn't want to do anything like this show, for example, I, uh, mm -hmm. or or any interviews, somehow under the pressure of the people who uh, gave the money for the film and uh, took a great risk because it cost uh, several million dollars, three million dollars, mm -hmm. let's, let's be specific. I, for their sake, I thought I have to do it and I'm doing the things, but I would rather feel better if I did not have to talk and to be part of the public life. Rosemary's Baby came out in 68 and then uh, his next one was Macbeth, oh. so uh, in 1971. So I don't. Uh, I, I'm so not he didn't rebound till Chinatown. Wait, who else is in Chinatown? Is Polanski? Yes, Chinatown is Polanski. Who else is Chinatown? Uh, what do you mean? As far as what? I guess is what I'm asking. Producer. Uh... Is there any other name in there other than the actors that were that I'm thinking of? Directed. Oh, uh, oh Robert, Robert Evans. Evans. Is that what you're thinking yeah, about? Robert he Evans. just passed away. Yeah, I know. He did what on it? He was a producer. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway. So yeah, he didn't he didn't bounce back till Chinatown, which is uh, f f three years later. Right. Well. Two years later, he probably started on it. I just feel like, uh, I don't know why we went on this Roman Polanski tangent. Well, he's a huge part of the show, the movie. Oh, what I was going to say is <clears throat> this. Apparently everyone drives like maniacs in this movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. And there's, <laughs> I never wanted a cigarette more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so much smoking. It was like, oh, man, I would really love a cigarette right now. Hi, this is Rick Dalton, better known as Bounty Hunter J.K. Hill, speaking on behalf of Red Apple Cigarettes. Now, I smoke red apples, been smoking them for years, but since the Red Apple Tobacco Company's been around since 1862, you'll see J.K. Hill smoke red apple, too. 
And back in Jake's day, Red Apple came in a pouch and he had to roll his own. But today, Red Apple comes factory rolled for the best drag with the best tobacco flavor with less burn on your throat than any other non-filter cigarette. <laughs> That's the way a cigarette should taste. Hmm. Better drag, more flavor, less throat burn. That's the red apple way. Um, there's a, a really weird thing <clears throat> about this is on the uh, IMDb, there's a goofs, you know, like a goofs uh, type of section. You know, yeah. there's trivia, right. there's quotes, uh, yeah. and there's goofs. And there's the goof page is so incredibly long, and I'm I wonder to myself, you know, after, and I again I am not a, a Quentin Tarantino aficionado, but I do know that he loves Hollywood. If you saw the his his Grindhouse movie, um, you know he's he's his attention to detail is is pretty great. Um, he does take liberty with the timeline just because it's a it's of the age it doesn't he's not it's not as specific as people are in the in the goof section on imdb are just nailing him left and right for things that they're considering a goof you know well this car isn't right because that car was from 1973 i think he's trying to weave together just a a picture a fairy tale isn't you know and especially this movie since the ending is what it is a fairy tale isn't reality it's the best of things put together in a story to make you feel something uh, these goofs are people being so specific about little shit that i i i guarantee you he knew or even you know they're like oh there's a mic you can see in this scene well you know what if there's a mic you can see in that scene i guarantee you he knew about it there's he's you don't get to be his level of director at which is an a level director without having an amazing attention to detail so i don't feel like any of these are goofs i feel like he put together a movie that he wanted to put together and people are like oh well from one scene to another this guy has three different drinks he he goes from like a I don't know, a Bloody Mary to some wine to a beer. And it, to me, I'm thinking, you honestly think that they didn't just stop filming and change out the the glass specifically with another type of drink? It's People are moronic. They do these things on purpose. He does weird shit on purpose. He jumps around. He has jump cuts. I don't love jump cuts. I don't love them at all. He uses them. I get over it. Uh, but people are just like nitpicking and I, I, on the IMDB website and it's in abs absurd. It's absurd. Uh, they really don't want to like this movie for whatever reason. I don't know. And I almost feel like it could be some sort of, uh, sponsored whisper campaign that the Weinsteins are very famous for, um, that they do to their own movies to get their movies uh awards and they do against other movies to get those movies not to be nominated or not to have awards i i feel like 
this has that that bit of a feel to it. Harvey Weinstein uh, famously started this whisper campaign for the Blair Witch uh, movie, which is not a good movie. It's not a good movie. Yet somehow he was able to put money behind this this campaign to uh, to get it, you know, like they used to do in the old days, you know. Don't watch this movie at your own risk, you know. Uh, it's, it's so scary. People are being taken out of the theater for having a heart attack. That he really w- happened. It didn't, though. It was like something that the directors did to make it seem like it really happened. Uh, it didn't happen. It's, it's all bullshit. And he did that, but he does it in a more diabolical way. And uh, I just feel like any negative shit about this movie is, I think it's not authentic. I don't know. Was there anything about this movie you didn't like? Um, I mean, you gave it a 9.5, so there's a 0.5 worth of something that did not ring true to you, I guess. Or could have rung truer. Oh, rung truer. This one rang truer. Yeah. Yeah, just the, uh, it took me a couple minutes to get into it. The beginning of it, I didn't uh, like so much. Because it's kind of <clears throat> shocking how it... F- I think Pacino, I didn't like so much in it either. Uh-huh. He's he so t- not he took, in it that took long. took me out of the movie. Really? Yeah, he's too too Pacino-ish. Yeah, I mean, that's what he is. Well, you know, it was no John Totoro, is all I'm saying. I, I don't. I didn't like that. that. It took me a while to get into it. I didn't really get into it till uh, after the Pacino stuff. Really? Yes. I'm trying to remember. I think it takes a few minutes to get into it because it's so it's it's so different uh, than what you normally see. Mm, that's maybe true. But then I got into it after that for sure. I just kind of right away was was into the acting. Yeah. I mean, it, Brad Pitt's character, Cliff Booth, is, again, so likable. I'd love to see another Cliff Booth movie. I really would. I would, I would see ten more of him. <laughs> it's, they're just, he's just great. He's a great character. Uh, amazing character. And uh, Leo, also great. He's got some scenes there where... His acting is just absurd. That was the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. Thank you. Rick fucking Dalton. Especially when he's acting like an actor in one of those, you know, episodic shows, you know. I don't know if it's Lancer or... or uh, Bounty Law or whatever other shows they threw him in. He would be a good uh, uh, what's the cat's name from Hogan's Heroes? Bob Crane. He would play a great Bob Crane. There's some photos uh, on uh, this is another thing. It's the, their, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood website is amazing. It's set up like an old Almost like an old 
uh, maybe TV Guide or some other Hollywood type uh, magazine. Um, I I really really think everyone should look at it. I mean, they clearly spent a lot of time on it. Uh, really well done, really well done. Um, but yeah, there are some headshots of of that of him on that website where he looks exactly like Bob Crane. Crazy. I was I was thinking that earlier today as I was going through the website. Huh. He I mean he looks exactly like him. With the leather jacket. The leather jacket it's only certain angles. Straight on not so much, but with a, when he's tilted a little to the side, you're like, oh wow. Who plays the hippie chick? Camila? Where are you going? I'm going to Chatsworth. Chatsworth. <laughs> You hitch up and down Burbank Boulevard all day till someone says they'll drive you to Chatsworth. Tourists love to drive me. I'm their favorite part of their L.A. vacation, you know? They'll be telling stories about Hollywood, hippie girl, that they gave a ride to the movie ranch for the rest of their lives. Wait, Spawn Movie Ranch? Yeah. That's where you're going, Spawn Movie Ranch? Uh-huh. Well, why are you going there? I live there. Alone? No. Me and my friends. So you and a bunch of friends like you all live at Spawn Movie Ranch? Yeah. Well, hop in. I'll take you there. Great. That is Margaret Qualley. Never heard of her. She's an American actress born in Montana and is the daughter of actress Andy McDowell. Really? There you go. Ah, she has that look. She kind of does. She's uh huh. Isn't that something? How old is she? Her father is a former model. Um, she was born in 94. Interesting. So she's 20 something. Um, she was good. She's trained as a ballerina. Yeah, I could tell from the the shots of up her ass crack. Shut up. Oh, sorry. Why would you say something so terrible? <laughs> because Tarantino's a creep. That's she's, why he was shooting it like that. She's uh, she's leaning in a car. Well, so there is a foot scene. That's what he's famous for. Yeah, foot of ass. What? No, she he likes feet. Apparently, <laughs> I know. I've heard. Let's uh, see. Uh, she was in Nice Guys too. No, she was good. We love Nice Guys. Um, I guess that was the last movie I thought was that was excellent. It was Nice Guys. I think I probably gave that a nine or a nine and a half. Um, so she was very good, but also the Spawn Ranch, man. Uh, those scenes of the, I didn't realize that there was that many people living there. Like I somehow I thought it was like you know eight or nine people. But How many people was it? It seems, you know, according to this movie, it was uh, it was dozens of people. Um, let's see here. Uh, Spawn was 80 years old, going blind and living at his ranch when he allowed the Manson family to move in, rent-free, in exchange for labor. The family did daily chores and helped run the horse rental business, which had become Spawn's main source of income. Uh, Lynette. Squeaky Fromm later wrote, I was impressed with George Spawn's hardiness. He was 80 years old, and although his blindness had for five or six years kept him in a world apart, he was mentally still present, 
living alone and working through all the frustrations of having lost authority in the running of his own business. Uh, let's see. She's quite a, quite a wordsmith. Ugh, she sickens me. I'm trying to see if, if it says anywhere about how many of them there were. I am not seeing anything about, uh, about how many people there were. All right, well, there was apparently dozens. It seemed like there were dozens. I wonder, is the Spawn Ranch still a thing? No, it's been bulldozed. It's gone, man. There's still, you can still find physical landmarks, but it is gone. Oh, look at this. It says a wildfire destroyed all of the Spawn Movie Ranch's film sets and residential structures on September 26, 1970. I don't think it was a wildfire, do you? No. I think well, it could have been. There's a lot of wildfires out there. Uh, I think some. I think it's evil was there, and people had it, burned it down. He died on September 22nd, 1974, and is buried in Eternal Valley Memorial Park in nearby, nearby Newhall. The Spawn Movie Ranch site is now part of California's Santa Susana Park State Historic Park. People go there. They point out landmarks. It's still there. It's just nothing's there, really. Cool. I'm glad that nothing's there. But there's still, like, uh, bed springs and bolts and pieces of metal. Oh, I see. Uh, I wouldn't want to go there. And they have the tree, a mark, this, where this happened, where this guy was shot or whatever. Oh, they wow. They all know the spot. I mean, you know, weirdos go there. Yeah, there's those kind of weird tours. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't find that to be fun at all, but I could see where somebody would be into it, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I would not want to go there. It's, it's it, When you've got that many people living together and they're all that fucking bananas, you got to think maybe something weird is happening with the land. I don't know. I don't think so. I think they're just assholes. That many people? Yeah. Dumb I guess. fucking dumb people without any uh, guidance. I don't know, man. That's, I mean, it's beyond dumb, right? If you're willing to go and 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 murder a pregnant woman, I don't. That's know what, beyond don't know what dumb, Dave. That's that's literally evil. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the. I don't know what. I don't know. That's satanic. Who's the one evil. who uh, drove away in the car? Did that really happen? Ah. Uh, Where's she today? Let's that see. was a wise choice. Let's see here. I would have driven that car to my family and never gone back to California. Ah, uh, shit. Sorry, I forgot my knife in uh, the car. Can I go Can I go back and get it? Yeah, sure. Okay. Right. Wait a minute. What? I locked the car. You'll need keys to get in. Oh, right. Thank you. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay. Just hurry up. Yeah, uh, just just a little minute. Oh, that fucking bitch! Maybe that didn't happen. I mean, why, why it, throw it in though if it didn't happen? I mean, a lot of things didn't happen, you know. Uh, well, I don't know. It says here, actor Al Lewis had Manson babysit his children on a couple of occasions. Grandpa? Yeah. And described him as a nice guy when I knew him. 
Producer Phil Kaufman introduced Manson to Young Universal Studios producer Gary Stromberg, then working on a film adaptation of The Life of Jesus set in modern America, featuring a black Jesus and a southern redneck Romans. Hey now. Stromberg thought that Manson made interesting suggestions about what Jesus might do in a situation, seeming to be attuned to the role. What a weirdo! What a weirdo! What a what? Uh, it's just beyond weirdo. Uh, I'm glad he's dead. This someone weirdo. Beyond weirdo, disgusting, disgusting in every way. Anyway, uh, the soundtrack is great for this movie. Um, Tarantino always does good soundtracks, I think, or at least interesting soundtracks, even if. Uh, some of his choices are weird or whatever. But uh, the movie uh, ends in a way different than the r- real life ends. You get a fairy tale ending, and your hero is Brad Pitt. <laughs> right? Yeah, and his dog. Dog's the real hero. The dog is great. Like, I can't, I can't, there's nothing not great in this movie. I honestly can't. Didn't uh, Tarantino say that he was not going to change this movie for China? Well, I don't know if he did or not. That's a good question. Uh, If he said he didn't, then bless his heart. I appreciate the fuck out of that. Um, This movie's budget was $90 million. And worldwide, so far, it has made $372 million. Why does it cost so much to make a movie? That's ridiculous. $90 $90 million. I think the motherfucker can do it for 10000 Shoot that shit on an iPhone. What the fuck is going on? $90 million. That's a lot of money we're wasting over here. Where's it coming from? Why? What? What is going on? People just spending $370 million on entertainment? Interesting. It had a... Its domestic opening was only $41 million. Yeah. Cats was $6 million. It was? <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Cats is so bad, apparently they released it, and now they're just updating the release as they finish the movie. Let me just say it's this to you. It's not even finished and they release the movie. I will say that anything bad about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that you have heard, I almost guarantee it's weird Weinstein. Hey, that's anti-Semitic, man. I can't be anti-Semitic because I married a Jew. I can't be Jewish because I married an anti-Semite. I am not an anti-Semite. Oh, I'm just kidding. I am just twisting words. I am not the racist. Did I smoke that cigarette with acid dipped in it? Does that even work? No, that's another thing. That's a, that's see, this is does the that thing. work? Maybe it does. I never tried. It it doesn't. This is a, in part of the goofs is. Uh, you can't smoke acid, man. You can't smoke acid, man. And but. Uh, what Let me tell you something. Okay. Some acid, you just touch it and it goes into your skin. All right. Right, but so, apparently when you burn acid, it it ruins its. Well, maybe he af- just touched uh, the cigarette uh, and it went in through his thumbs. P- what people online are saying. Demosomia. Uh, oh man. What? What people online are saying is that the hippies indeed did sell uh, laced cigarettes back then on the street, but they would often tell you it was acid but it was pcp and it was pcp exactly where did hippies get the pcp i'll tell you where they got the pcp from the hell's angels uh maybe i don't know 
Yeah, I don't bike again. I don't know, but apparently the hippies of California were quite willing to lie Let me tell you to make fifty cents for Charles a Manson. Started out as a low-rate drug dealer. Mm -hmm. That's oh. one of the reasons he killed one of the first people he killed was over bad mescaline, and then said, "Kill a motherfucker and make it look like the blacks did it." He did. Yeah. So all he have there is a bogus lying criminal who sold bogus drugs. Well, got sold bogus drugs and then took out revenge and said, oh, write something that makes it seem like uh, the Black Panthers did it. Yep, that's, re that's reality. I, I, I got to be honest. He's a he, that's the, the first One of the first people he killed was that school teacher. He was a school teacher somehow involved with some sort of mescaline deal. On the uh, 31st of uh, July, Paul and I uh, came out here at the request of our Malibu station, and uh, the body was found in the home by friends of uh, Gary. And uh, after we entered the home, we uh, saw signs of a struggle, and it appeared as though there had been a some degree of violence. He was found in the living room directly up here, and uh, he was lying on his back with multiple stab wounds. He had been dead approximately one week at the time that he was found. Had he also been shot, or were there any signs of gunshots here at all? Yes, there was. He had not been shot. Uh, however, there is signs that there was a, a gun fired in the house. Honestly. You know, mama, mothers don't let your children grow up to be hippies. Because yeah. they, they don't bathe and they smell bad. The, any, any, you know, flowers in your hair, hippie type shit is, is, is pure fantasy. It's people who, uh... Yeah, you hippies, you go in the mud, and before you know it, you got hep C. Yeah, there you go. Goddamn hippie Cs. It's, it's... Stop, stop making love in the mud. I feel like it's, even back then, it's just the mainstream media trying to push a... You know, look how look at look how great these peace loving people are. No, what, the media wasn't into it. I, I think they started to be. They were anti-hippie. Maybe at first. Hey, it's your aunt hippie. I don't know. I don't and trust your uncle hippie. I literally don't trust anything I see anymore. I don't trust anyone under thirty. I don't. I don't trust anyone over thirty. Actually, you just gotta be. I'm only gonna trust you if you're thirty. I think you only trust the people sitting at this this are th table. Are they thirty? We are not thirty. Well, then don't trust us. We are the middle-aged cool kids. You can trust us. And this has been our super terrific podcast. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say about this movie? I think we have put together a very shitty podcast about a, an excellent movie. I would say that's not true. I see. Brad Pitt was essentially the best part of it. There should be... I don't... I, the, the low ratings are not, not even low. They're just mediocre. They are, they are wrong. This movie is... Uh, it's a it's a masterpiece, I'd say. What's she up to now? Is she in post production? What's the next thing is Tarantino's doing? What you got on a bro? What's on a what's on a fires? Hey Tarantino, what you got rolling? It's the Cliff Cliff Booth. The Cliff Booth show. It's Cliff not. Booth. It's uh. Let's see here. He is. The John Turturro story. Oh my God! There is a director. As a director, his next project is 
Quentin Tarantino's untitled Star Trek project. Oh, Jesus Christ. That might be good. I think he might be a Star Trek nerd, perhaps. And as far as writing goes, he is writing the Django Zorro. I did not see the Django movie. Didn't see it. Uh, he's He's also writing the untitled Star Trek project. And Kill Bill Volume 3. Ooh. These are motherfuckers very prolific. I don't know if Uma's going to be in it, though. So I, I, that's what I'm interested in. Uma Oprah. She got Oprah very... Uh, she she recently... Uh, I don't know She's if you saw her. very anti-what? Well, he put her in danger. He put her in danger for a shot, and she was not appreciative of it. Some sort of driving shot. When she was starring in Kill Bill, Tarantino insisted she drive this blue convertible instead of a stunt person, even though she says she told him she thought the car was broken. Thurman says the accident left her neck permanently damaged, calling the experience dehumanizing to the point of death. Who played uh, Sam Peckinpah? I think you mean Sam Wanamaker. Uh, hey. That's Is that right. true? Sam Wanamaker. That That's what I meant. Nicholas Hammond. I don't know who the hell that is. He uh, is known for... Hold on a second. He looks like an old school... Who else was in this thing that we might have overlooked? He's an old school dude. Um, who else is in it? Let's see. Was he in Sam Wanamaker's movies? We got Bruce Dern, who played uh, Spawn. Luke Perry, who passed away, unfortunately. Damian Lewis is who... That's who that was. Who played who? Steve McQueen. That was the one thing that you were right about. He doesn't look anything like Steve McQueen. Terrible choice. Oh, that might have been part of what I didn't like about the movie. Was that 30 seconds of Steve McQueen? Yeah, that whole Steve McQueen talking to Michelle Phillips thing. I was, what? Oh, and who was the narrator? Who was supposed to be the narrator? I didn't understand that either. Who was that talking? Oh, is that your son? <laughs> no, it's, that's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Yeah. We've worked together since the, uh, the last two seasons of Bounty Law. Yeah. My, my car's in the shop, so he gave me a ride. That's a big fucking lie. Rick got his driver's license taken away for too many drunk driving tickets. Cliff drives him everywhere now. The narrative is narrated by the one and only Kurt Russell. Why? What was his, who was his character again? What was he? He was the, uh, was he a d- director or producer? Some sort of talent coordinator? So he's just randomly narrating it. What we have here is a love letter to a time and a place narrated by a man which the director evidently harbors a similarly great admiration for and has done for ages. The narrative is narrated by the one and only Kurt Russell, who, as you know, is somewhat of a Tarantino regular. He also plays the character of Randy in the film, a stunt director. You'll recognize him from some of the director's previous movies, most most recently The Hateful Eight. Yeah, okay. So there you go. Yeah, I don't agree with that. You don't agree that he was the narrator? I don't agree that he should have been the narrator. Why is that? I thought he did a great job. First of all, I didn't even recognize his voice. I was like, who's that narrating it? I see. And second of all, he's barely a character in the movie. So it's just like, why don't you just have a character narrating it? That's how you do it. Or someone with a good... 
It just didn't work. What, Morgan Freeman wasn't available? Kurt Russell? His voice is so indistinguishable. Why did they have Gilbert Gottfried do it? <laughs> wow. So if that's the... I mean, there's not a shit ton of narration. Yeah, but that that's that was part of it that I didn't like. Okay, that's fine. Uh, why, why throughout the movie do I have to think to myself, who's this talking? It should have been clear. Well, okay. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. That's you feel that's about it. That's my problem. Fine. Okay. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, anything else you wanted to say about the era? About anything? Uh, I think it got everything pretty good. I was pretty damn good. Again, the ending. Uh, look, for me, <clears throat> for me, knowing that an eight or nine month pregnant woman got slaughtered by a bunch of disgusting people, um, and knowing that that's how it really ends, that that weighed on me while I was watching this movie because I was enjoying this movie and uh, I'm really enjoying it. But the end, how I knew it ended, uh, was scaring me. I didn't want to see. The movie was so good. He's so good. It's so well put together. I didn't want to see how well he was going to put together that terrible ending. And the fact that he didn't, that he gave us the fairy tale ending that was really amazing, just was fucking the best part of this movie for me. The ending that should have been. Uh, it that the whole movie was amazing up until that point, and then at that that last bit just just blew it out of the water for well, me. See, the problem is yeah. that Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Did not own a pit bull. Okay. Well, there you go. So get your ass a pit bull and you will not get hurt by the Manson family. If you are an anti-gun person, then you should have a pit bull. Uh, that and smoke some acid. And if you are pro-gun, you should have a gun and a pit bull. Uh, nothing, w nothing will come near you if you have both of those things. So uh, I advise getting both, really. Uh all right. Anything more you wanted to say about this? Uh, no. All right. That is it for this episode of the Middle-Aged Cool Kids Super Terrific Podcast featuring your pals Dave and Shecky. And Conrad Baines. And we will see you next time, America. Conrad Baines. <laughs>